You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And El Tori. On top of the top, fresh Monday morning. You know, how you guys feeling? Feeling good, man. Refreshed. Went down to uh, Anna Maria Island this weekend. Um, there, was a, there was a podcast listener, H. Gator, hit me up on, uh, on Twitter, said, hey, did you just leave the doctor's office, which is the name of a bar, not the actual doctor's <laughs> office. Right, um okay. I said, yeah, man, we just left. Uh, went over to a place called Decoy Ducks, which is about as divey as a dive bar that you can get. And mm. we uh, we turned up, Nick. Um, won't oh. say because my parents listen and won't say what time we were up till, but we, we shut the bar down. Left my phone there. Um, oh, yeah, that's always a good time. <laughs> immediately, <laughs> immediately noticed. We rented a golf cart for the weekend, so – um went back got it it was it was there the nice people in indian or uh, in anna maria island uh took care of me but uh but yeah what a, what a day what a weekend mm. dan's weekends as we get closer to the season are just becoming ex- extravagant yeah boating Dan weekends golfing, always extravagant golfing at exclusive uh exclusive properties uh i just watched ufc this weekend yeah this is uh my se- that was my second to last weekend before uh, they're all occupied. Yeah, Nick, you give up your like a, a third of the year is gone for you, a quarter. More, more than that. Yeah. Uh, I get like January off, and then baseball starts, and it's and it's every weekend mm. until Man, June. Tough life of a writer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I could be doing I could be doing worse things, that's for sure. Yeah, it's hot out here, bro. And I think they're hiring roofers. So if you ever want to switch no, jobs, you. no? Okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. How can you even survive roofing in the summer in South Florida? I I I got a job roofing uh the first summer after I finished high school, man. I survived uh absolutely three days and, and I was you know, I applaud everybody that's on top of a roof where there's no shade. You know, mm-hmm. it's just you and the sun. In a, in a in a 1v1 <laughs> you and the sun the 1v1 yeah i, I think uh feel my, like the sun's undefeated when my brother was, was yo- yeah when my brother was younger he did a couple weeks at a part of a landscaping crew during the summer you know he was in in high school i think about two weeks is, is all that he could muster up that was uh that's a lot yeah i got i applaud him for the two weeks he got a pay a good decent paycheck out of it I, I don't know. I don't remember. But I, I don't know if it was 100% his choice. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Silk, you are uh, lagging a little bit on video. I don't know if you want to refresh. Yeah, if you want to refresh. But uh, as we uh, as we do that, let's give a shout out to our friend Alan Horn. Uh, before we do that, actually, we got a big show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about Wardell Mack. Obviously, talk about Cam Carroll. Uh, he's going to be out for the season. We'll talk a little bit more about him. Uh, and then we are going to talk about uh, where we sit with uh, some of these starters being named with uh, with fall practice. And then we have Cole Kublik, 
uh, that is going to be joining us a little bit later today. So an exciting show. But as always, let's give a shout out to our friend Alan Horn with State Farm Insurance. If you are in Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, or Alabama, give him a call at 706-692-2888 or visit him at allenhorninsurance.com for all of your insurance needs, whether that's personal, business, life insurance, and anything in between. Alan Horn, State Farm, 706-692-2888. I do want to give a quick shout out. Hunter Johnson, thank you for your super chat. If you have any questions, let us know. Uh, DK, hit that like button. I really appreciate that. Uh, If you are watching, please uh, hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, Let's see, 1030, Mr. Johnson. We are always-ish. All of our times are ish, approximate. One standard deviation away. Um, And then uh, Florida Native 75. I did roofing one day after graduation, Lake Buena Vista Hotel. F that. So, well, um, shout out to All Star Roofing in the comments. The one time we've ever talked about roofing. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There we are. It's the first time. Uh, And then Silk, you are the goat. Hang 10. All right. So, uh, let's get in uh, to uh, an announcement that was made. Uh, without a care of us recording a podcast last week, about 20 <laughs> minutes after we uh, ended uh, last week, uh, four-star uh, defensive back Wardell Mack announced that he is going to commit uh, to the University of Florida uh, over LSU, over Texas, over Florida State on three. Um, we saw them uh, announce that they have him as the highest ranked uh, of all of the services, they rank him as the 19th best player in the country, the number three cornerback and the number two player in Louisiana. But if you look at their overall average, uh, Wardo Mack is ranked as the 72nd best player in the country, the seventh best cornerback and the second best player in Louisiana. Gentlemen, uh, thoughts on Wardo Mack committing to the Gators? About damn time. <laughs> Yeah, I just thought they should have been taking it. I don't know what his time process was, but there was a pecking order um, where he was supposedly on the board. Um, and then you had guys uh, that were kind of holding off a little bit uh, with Jamari Howard. Um, Zay Mincy is going to take this thing to the finish line as well. So I think we need to solidify, you know, a, a very good, solid defensive back class. And we got a guy with Wardell Mack. And it was coming down to us, LSU, Texas. Uh, Florida mm-hmm. State was in the mix, but not really. Uh, so it was a g- great get on uh, skill set wise. You know, he possessed, I think, good size. I know everybody wants the six two corners mm-hmm. these days. Uh, and to me, that's it's a little extra. Our best corners weren't six two. Our best corners at the University of Florida was guys like Joe Hayden, Lito Shepard, Norris Jenkins. And he fits that mode uh, around six foot. Um, I think he could play either slot or outside corner, in my in my opinion. But Overall, good get. Want to leave some takes for for Nick? Um, mm-hmm. What's your overall take, Nick? Yeah, I mean, he kind of plays all over the field in high school. Um, special teams, inside, outside, like you said. Um, to me, the biggest thing, I think you, you got a baller. Uh, he's a top 100 player uh, for mm-hmm. us and on three. Um, but the biggest thing for me is you're winning those battles that you have to win. And, and I think the class that Florida, Billy Napier, and his staff put together this year, to me – you can't just say uh, whatever happens on the field is fine as long as this class stays. But I think it shows that the direction of the program, at least in my opinion, with this recruiting class and the way that they're recruiting is trending the right way. And now I think Billy Napier even said it on Saturday, like we might go through some growing pains and 
Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of young guys playing, and, and that will be enticing to the last couple guys that they're going to try to fill this class out. Hey, look, look how many freshmen, look how many retro mm-hmm. freshmen, sophomores played for the Gators this year. Like, I can get on the field early. Um, so I think, one, great player. Two, you're beating LSU. You're beating Texas, who is going to be in the SEC, and I think they'll get a recruiting bump uh, if they're mm-hmm. not already getting one. Uh, and then, you know, Florida State as well. Yeah, DJ, or uh, pardon me, he joins DJ Lagway right now as the only other Gator in on threes. Uh, top 50, Florida still involved in, in LJ McCray, uh, Zay Mincy, and Searcy, uh, Jordan uh, Seaton, pardon me, Jordan Seaton uh, as players that they, the Gators are also recruiting in the way that on three ranks their players. Uh, as the 19th best player, uh, he's just four spots out of that five star status. But if they were to, uh, if today was National Signing Day, Wardell Mack would be a five star in that uh, in that group. Nick, you mentioned, um, you know, plays offense, thousand yards of offense through his junior and our junior and sophomore years, had 55 tackles, four interceptions. As a sophomore, uh, 33-inch arms length. Um, so, yeah, I think he's good. I think he's a dog. He's a guy that a lot of schools uh, that you want to recruit against uh, and, and beat is is who you want to – those are the, the matchups that you want to win, right? You want to win the four stars that are coveted by the top players in the program. So, you know, again, we've been talking about Wardo Mack for a long time. He's going to join Teddy Foster uh, in this DB group, and there's still maybe an opportunity for uh, Jamari Howard or Zay Mincy or, or some of these other folks that are, that are still looking at the University of Florida. But a lot of people con Corey Raymond Wash just a couple weeks ago, comes out brings out another highly ranked four-star guy so absolutely uh jameer grimsley is another guy we could possibly flip and you know uh, yeah. uh health wishes to him i know he had a, a, a terrible injury on his first friday night game uh, but if you look at wardell and mac i like i made the janoris jenkins comparison and uh joe hayden uh both of those guys were the same type of offensive productive guy they were just football players and mm-hmm. I think Wardell and Matt fits that mold. Sometimes you just want guys with great football instincts and, and have the good measurables, but you don't have to get locked in too much into the 6-2 frame. And I'm glad we closed in on them. Yep, and, that leaves and, the Gators and, right now. Oh, I'm go sorry. ahead. Lost you. Uh, that puts the Gators right now at the number three class. I'm uh, still, still in the country. Uh, so, you know, again, Florida uh, is dominating and recruiting. And, you know, again, a guy that I know that, that Florida was – Florida fans had been watching, but if you looked at the the on three recruiting prediction machine, uh, we often say don't take everything that they uh, take for uh, – to, to be 100% for certain, uh, the Gators only had a 1.2% chance uh, on the on three recruiting prediction machine. So, again, going into Louisiana, still going to be tough. You got to recruit him all the way up until the end. But being able to go and get a guy like him uh, is great for the Gators. And I believe right now they have their highest ranked class in terms of total number of points that they've had in about 10 years. So, uh, mm. keep it up. Still a couple more spots, uh, but Florida's sitting in a really good spot right now. Any final thoughts on Wardell Mack before we get to Cam Carroll? Nah, man, just Corey Raymond was facing a, a tough task of stockpiling DBs. It's not easy to stockpile at positions. And we see Bama and Georgia's of the world do it, but, you know, it's easy to negative recruit. Hey, those guys took six elite guys last year. You know, um, don't go over there, come here, we got availability, so – um, you know, this is how this is how you get better. This is how you close the gap, creating depth, uh, and you close the gap to Georgia. So, shout out to the goat. Absolutely, six SEC teams in the top nine on on three 
for recruiting right now. Uh, all right, so let's get all, like the top. Everybody's about to be SEC in a minute. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, outside of Ohio moment. State, Florida State's recruiting well, and Michigan, uh, it's it's a lot of uh, a lot of SEC there. Uh, let's get into some unfortunate news. We had talked about how well he was doing when he came to University of Florida over the last couple of uh, months, but uh, Tulane transfer running back Cam Carroll uh, was uh, was injured last week in a lower body injury, uh, and it seems like he's going to be out for the season. So, Nick, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a Cam Carroll update? Yeah, just uh, he was having a great spring camp, great fall camp, uh, and a great second scrimmage. Um, had already ripped off a big, a big run, 50-plus yard run. Um, and then just an unfortunate injury. Um, he'll be done. He'll, he'll need surgery. He'll be done for the year. Um, he can come back with a medical hardship. I think he redshirted in 2018. Uh, 2020 doesn't count. And then he redshirted, had another redshirt last year, but he'll have to, so he'll have to apply for a medical hardship, but uh, certainly would think that he would get that. So uh, just a tough, just a tough blow. And then like the, that room can handle it. You know, you've, you've got uh, Trayon Webb, who's going to have to play more now. Um, but it, it, it just – it sucks to see a kid who's, like, 23 years old and he's going into his sixth year of college bet on himself uh, to come to a bigger school, bigger program like Florida, in a loaded room and had carved out a spot and was going to get carry. So just tough to see him uh, go down, you know, two weeks before the season. Yeah. Yeah, just super unfortunate. He was having a great camp. Everything we was we was hearing as far as him being uh running back three. It, we were starting to talk about maybe he, he gets the same amount of reps as maybe running back two or how you intertwine him, um, because he was probably one of the, the better uh running backs for catching the ball out of the backfield. So um it's a it's a blow, but I don't think it's a big blow. We can survive this one with no problem. It's one of our best rooms on campus, so um, you know, uh, health wishes to Cam Carroll as well. You know, hopefully he bounced back from the injury and, and still go get him some money and, and continue his career. But um, a blow nonetheless. Yeah, I think the way that uh, the blow is is not just in him in terms of his ability to maybe catch the ball out of the backfield uh, and him being able to rest those guys. It's just that there's a gap. Right. Um, you're now going to rely on a true freshman, which, you know, again, Tran Webb, I think, is a, a quality player, but still missing out on another running back last year and the year before putting yourself in a position now where you have a running back room of, of three. Right. And so no matter how you slice it, there's going to be maybe some potential injuries. There's going to be, you know, some times where, where maybe guys aren't hundred percent healthy and you're going to rely on having that stable of back. So that's where it hurts. you know, I don't know if on paper it's a, it's a huge loss. That's super noticeable to rival fan bases, but I do think, that when you look at this team and if you do have an injury, you do have something that, that comes up, you're just now relying on a sophomore and a freshman and, you know, one junior, one sophomore and one freshman and really nobody else except for walk on. So um, that's where the depth hurts a little bit, trying to be able to get one more guy uh, maybe to, to spur some of that, but you know, it is what it is. The Gators have two great running backs and then try and web, obviously a, a guy that was uh, recruited heavily out of high school too, you know, obviously get a lot more playing time now than uh, than he uh, was originally going to. Nick, do you think that that – or Silk, do you think that that potentially changes what the Gators might do at the at the kick return position? And I know Trevor Etienne is 
is your starting kick returner. So does that maybe change now that you don't have as much depth there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're, Florida should be fine at running back, but what happens if a guy twists an ankle and is out for three right. weeks? Well, now, you, now you're in a bad spot. Um, mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have been without Cam, you know, if Cam was still there. Um, so to me, you got a bunch of guys that can run fast and, and make some people miss, put somebody else back there to return kicks. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, mm-hmm. Really no need for ETN. I think we got enough playmakers on campus um, to be able to put somebody back there and make something happen. Uh, and, uh, and I'm go ahead and cast my vote for Eugene Wilson. I love it. So right now that running back room, we've talked about it, is Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne, Trayon Webb, uh, Jacoby Jackson, uh, the uh, Cahoma Community College uh, junior college transfer, Marco Rubio's son, Anthony Rubio, uh, and then Eddie reps, ba- man. <laughs> and then Eddie Battle and Carlson Joseph. Um, Eddie Battle is a transfer from Southeast Missouri State as well that the Gators got a few years ago. So again, not the depth that you would want, but there is still how many did I just say? Seven additional. There's seven total names at their running back position. So we, we start will handing see. the ball off to Baby Rubio. We in trouble. But until then, <laughs> I think we are. Yeah. yeah, I think I think really three. Um, I I don't know that Jacoby um, is physically where he needs to be right now, or or mentally in the playbook um, where he needs to be right now. So I, I think really you're looking at a a room with really three guys, and and then you'd have to figure something out if if one of those guys went down. Yeah. So again. The injured bug bites the Gators deaf, not necessarily a starter, but with him and Justice Boone, two guys that you don't want to see out. But again, on top of that, we just hope and uh, wish the best of wishes and in recovery to both Kim Carroll and Justice Boone. All right, boys. Um, in other injury news, we've talked about it. Um, he's missed now, I believe, five practice, practices. Pardon me. Jack Miller, uh, the Ohio State transfer uh, shoulder tendonitis uh, right now. So it does look like those that have been clamoring for it, Max Brown is your number two quarterback right now with Micah Leon, the seventh-year transfer from UConn who sat out football last season. Um, Nick, any update on on Jack? Um, no, I think I think when you're looking at tendonitis um... – so they, they gave Jack a couple of days off and the shoulder wasn't responding with, with time off. So they went and they had an MRI done that just showed, uh, you know, tendonitis, uh, that there wasn't any, anything structurally wrong. So, uh, I think you just, the only thing you can do, not a doctor, only thing you can do for tendonitis is like rest it, maybe get like a, a an injection, like a pain injection, anti-inflammatory. I don't know. Yeah, get the ones that are approved by the university. Don't go over to GNC now. Oh, jeez. Jack, Jack can go over to GNC. <laughs> um, I kid. I mean, I kid. He'll, be, he'll be fine, and he'll be the backup quarterback when Florida goes to Salt Lake City. Okay, okay. So no conspiracy theories about, about Jack. Port, no portal action. We ain't got nothing to be worried about. Be good. Well, he'd, have to, he'd have to graduate. He already used the portal. Ah, very good. <laughs> All right. So we will wait and see until Jack Miller's tendonitis is resolved. 
All right, guys, let's get into a little bit of fall camp. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about the Gataverse. Go visit gataverse.io. That's G-A-T-A-V-E-R-S-E.io. They are doing a Trevor ETN trading card right now. Uh, directly support your student athletes at the University of Florida through NIL opportunities. Go visit gataverse.io and go get your trading cards for Trevor ETN and a whole host of other Florida Gator athletes supporting directly the student athletes. Um, Nick, let's get into offense, uh, spring practice updates. So uh, obviously chime in, uh, but uh, what, what are we seeing out of the offense, Nick? Um, I, I think the offense is, is getting uh, rounding out into form. I think I've been more impressed with Graham Mertz than I was in the spring. And I think that just comes hmm. you know, comfortability in, in the offense and, and making plays. Hmm. Uh, Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, um, totally different. <laughs> I'm not. No, no, no. It's not totally different. This is not totally different. I feel like I'm wearing he your hat, from, so I might, I might take your role of being negative today. Bro. Yeah, he went shit. from he is fine to a little more impressed. We're working, so you know, yeah, hey, erosion doesn't that. happen overnight. One step at a know? time. You're right. <laughs> this, is a great, this is a great point. Yeah. What was that like? Like fine plus. <laughs> <laughs> like like the I'm apple blessed. when apple when apple comes out with like the uh 13s yeah i'm yeah. at i'm at i'm at fine s i like it <laughs> all um, right so you so you're overly impressed with graham mertz go on <laughs> overly yeah oh to, to the moon um i i i'm worried i i worry big time about the offensive line i don't I don't love the depth on the offensive line, and you've had a bunch of guys injured. You've got Kingsley Aguakin, who didn't practice the last three days. Uh, you're starting center. You've had both right guards miss practice, um, and you really only have three tackles, and one of them is a Sunbelt kid from FIU. So, like, you can't get hurt, and we're seeing – and I don't think uh, – Billy Napier kind of looked, like took exception with some of the line of questioning about, like, injuries and stuff like that i think there's only two like but the two were impact players um but i think it's it's just football it's a tough game and then when you look at the offensive line i don't know that there's anybody that i feel awesome about if mike and Mizuka goes down then you're putting Najah harrison or you're putting jake slaughter in um so if florida's gonna be able to run the ball they need the front the, the front five to to be able to block and and they have to stay healthy um tight end it's going to be like the same thing we've seen with Xanders and Odom and then I think you got to mix in uh Arles Boardingham and then I, you're going to see I think all three of these freshman uh, wide receivers I just don't know that uh Frazier's is going to do enough to keep them off the field obviously you're gonna have Ricky Pearsall Caleb Douglas um Khalil Jackson Marcus Burke I think Marcus Burke's had a good fall camp um a lot of it will have to will depend on the the running game and, and the offensive line staying healthy. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about offensive line as well. Um, injuries is going to happen. I want, mm -hmm. I want everybody. It, this is football; it's a violent game. Um, I don't think this is an indication on the strength and conditioning or anything like that. Some of these injuries are, are physical tackle. You know, um, so outside of you know, boom, he was running off the field uh, celebrating, but. Uh, if the knee went that way, it was eventually going to go. Uh, that's just how some of these things work. But 
Uh, yeah, I'm concerned about the offensive line depth as well. Uh, as soon as we get into the two deep, you start getting into a, a true freshman, and that's just scary uh, territory when when you start thinking about just trench work, uh, being 18 and facing you know a seven year senior maybe on the other side of that line mm -hmm. of a grown man that's been in the, in the program uh, for for in the college football program for five six years that could just you know be a mismatch. Um, so we don't. I don't want to get into that that territory, but. That's where we at with it. Um, we just got to create more depth in, in recruiting and also in the portal uh, to prepare us for, for situations like this. But um, if the starting guys are healthy, you know, I feel I feel good. You know, I feel good about Graham Mertz, uh, what I'm hearing from camp, from the right people. Not a whole lot of gassing him up. Just, you know, nobody's saying he's going to go win a Heisman or do anything like that. There, a lot of people just saying he's – He's a um, competent quarterback. He's able to deliver certain passes to make to help us move the chains, get mm -hmm. us in and out of bad plays. I like what I'm hearing from him verbally as a leader as well. Whenever he's on the mic, um, seems like a mature guy and a leader. So, yeah, I, I like where we at from a quarterback position. It's just the injuries. We just got to stay healthy, you know, and we, a real healthy football team. Uh, in my mind, we can go win eight games. Uh, being young at receiver is not – I think we got a good balance at receiver with older guys and younger guys. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have the in-between guys like Burke, but you have Pearsall, Frazier's, the older veterans. Uh, so it's a good balance there, man. Mm -hmm. um, the young guys are just more of the playmakers and explosive guys that we're, we're, we're waiting to jump up on the scene. But I feel good overall about the offense and where we at and what I've been hearing from Kent. Yeah, and I think a lot of us have kind of said, hey, this is going to probably not be the Gators' best year. Um, even Nick, as he's turned the page on his optimism for the season, yeah, I think we all have a uh, an understanding that this is probably not going to be the best uh, Gators team uh, that we've ever fielded. Probably not the best Gators team that we've fielded in the last couple of years. But what we can hope and want out of these guys is the maturation and growth of some of those younger guys and getting that playing time. Obviously, you want that front five of the offensive line to get – healthy and stay healthy you want to figure it out on tight end you want to figure out where you can put Mizell wilson and gene and give them opportunities for the future but that's what a lot of billy napier's career at florida in my opinion is going to rest on his ability for the guys that he recruited to come up come in and play and maybe this isn't the year that the gators go you know 10 and 2 or, or 9 and 3 there's a lot of depth concerns there's a lot of gap in between you know, your older players that are going to play and then what's next right behind them on the depth chart. Right. So there is going to be, you know, some, some learning opportunities for a lot of these guys, but you know, Florida's recruited pretty well. They have a lot of guys that can hopefully step up. Now we just have to bridge that year where we're, seems like a lot of things that could go wrong are going wrong uh, for the Gators in the, in the preseason here. Now continue to get healthy, stay healthy, you know, win a few of those games, but get that excitement for the next guys. And, you know, I think Billy Napier's recruited well enough for the Gators to, you know, sit themselves in a really good position going into next year and the year after and the year after that. So we will see. Um, but um, let's quick, look through. Real quick, real quick offensive question. I want to ask Nick. Um, I've seen in, in one of the reports that Tony Livingston was starting to get more reps at, at tight end. Uh, Artis Bordenham is, is, is coming back from non-contact jersey. What are you hearing at tight end position? Yeah, I think well, Xander's been out for a while, so it's it's – with Xander's out and, and Odom's sort of limited, he he finally came out of his non-contact jersey. Um, but it gave more opportunities to Hayden Hansen and to Tony Livingston. And uh, after talking to a bunch of people, I put out a uh, defensive players that the coaches thought had a good fall um, and then offensive players that coaches uh, said had a good fall. Um, so that the offense won't come out. And I, I just don't know. Like I think, yes, Tony Livingston has had a good fall, but – 
it's relative to the guys ahead of him. And and he had the gray shirt. So he's he really focused on, I think, basketball his senior year of high school and then didn't play any football last year. So it, it, you're you're getting back into it with him. And I think he will be a good player, but um, I think Arliss Boardingham is, is really your your X factor in that room. Um, Livingston could be, but I think Arliss is right now. Um, and, and and they're going to roll out Dante Sanders and they're going to roll out Jonathan Odom. And, and I thought Odom was good last year when he got yeah. some, when he got his opportunities. I thought he performed well. A couple touchdowns. It just depends on what you're asking Odom to do. Like he's mm-hmm. not going to go win one on one matchups, but if you can scheme him open and he's going to run his routes, but he's just not a he's not a mismatch or a one on one beater uh, per se. But he brings some different things to the table. He's a reliable catcher uh, when he is open and he knows how to do his job. He's a coach's son, has a high motor. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just the gym, gym rat, lunch pail guy. <laughs> first, in. Yeah. 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 first in, uh, last out. Odoms. Dad's a police officer, you know, or was. <laughs> well, his, dad, uh, his dad was actually a gator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His dad was on our show what, last year or so. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's let's talk a little bit about defense. Nick, I, I know you have an article coming out about the offense. I know you already put one out about the defense. We'll talk about that, and then we're going to break in what uh, Zach Albaverde put out as what he looks like or what he thinks the depth chart's going to look like um, going into the Utah game before we get Cole Kublik uh, on the show today. Uh, moving to the defensive side of the ball, uh, Nick put out a great article entitled Six Florida Gators, Six Florida Gators Defensive Players Who Impressed During Fall Camp. Uh, he put this out about four hours ago on Monday. So shout out to Nick for posting at seven in the morning. Uh, Caleb Banks, the defensive lineman, the safety Jordan Castell, uh, cornerback Jakeem Jackson, edge TJ Searcy, and linebacker Taraja Mitchell. Uh, those are the the six. Oh, and sorry, and Jamari Lyons, a defensive tackle. I was like, man, I only read out five. Uh, but number six, Jamari Lyons was probably the name that stuck out to me the most. Uh, Gators really have flipped mm. that defensive tackle room. But uh, Nick, when you went through all forty some odd players that are on defense, what landed you on these six? Uh, these are names that I was given. Uh, <laughs> oh, very by, good by by, by Florida. Uh, so very good. They, they see more than, you know, the 15 minutes that we see. Um, and I had some back and forth, uh, with, with them, you know, uh, about some of the guys and, and probably more with the guys on offense. Um, but I think it, the, I think the list makes sense. Um, Caleb Banks, I thought was going to be, you know, was a tweener, um, was going to need to be a development developmental player. Um, that, not the case. Um, Jordan Castell, I think we saw flashes in the spring, and he just continues to get more comfortable. And with nobody, at least in my opinion, with nobody um, really taking the reins in the, in the safety room to, to like sharpie their name in as a starter, uh, Jordan Castell is going to get playing time. And it would not surprise me if, if he continues making plays like he has in scrimmages, like he has in uh, team drills. Um, if he ends up starting a game at some point this year. Um, wow. Jakeem Jackson, I, I think that one's tough. I think Jakeem's going to be a hell of a player. But like if Devin Moore is healthy, he's a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Corey Raymond told us that he thinks uh, Jalen Kimber's an NFL player uh, when he's healthy. So like it's, it's going to be hard to break in with Marshall, you know, that, that trio. But uh, Jakeem Jackson is a guy that I think Florida just nailed. Uh, landed landed a huge player going to be a great player for Florida at some point 
uh, and you'll see him this year. I think he'll be on special teams. He'll get some run on defense as well. Uh, Taraji Mitchell, I've talked about him a ton. Mm -hmm. And then TJ Searcy. I think the, the biggest thing for me with him was watching him in the spring. Obviously, he can go and get the quarterback. Um, they've really worked with him on setting the edge, being a, a player who can play on first and second down at the edge and, and, and also drop into coverage. So that's some of the stuff he'll be asked to do there. And then he'll get more of an opportunity um, because of Justice Boone's injury. Everyone, you know, the whole depth chart just like kind of slides up. So I think TJ seriously put in the work in the spring and uh, positioned himself to, to get some playing time this fall. Uh, and then Jamari Lyons, I think he, I, I don't see him being, you know, in, in the too deep, um, but Florida had, you know, in the story I wrote, they had two guys last year in um, Gravon Dexter and Desmond Watson played over a thousand snaps. Two interior defensive linemen played over a thousand combined snaps last year. Um, these Florida didn't have the depth, and now when you have Chris McClellan, Des Watson, Cam Jackson, um, Banks, you, you, you've got depth to. Excuse me. Woo wee. My bless, bad. Bless you, bro. Allergy. Thank you. Allergy is definitely you. kicking down here, man. Bro. Um, you've definitely got depth now to to keep guys fresh. And maybe some of the third down issues last year were third quarter, fourth quarter, guys are, are tired. And now instead of third and ten. Yeah, get some Zerk baby. I'm dying. <laughs> I need it. Yeah, instead of, instead, right now. instead, <laughs> instead of third and ten, you're – you're, you're, you know, you're in third and three, and that's an easier situation for offenses to uh, to convert. So um, before I die over here, that's all I have. Yeah, uh, encouraging to hear from Castell. Uh, mm -hmm. what, like, what's, what's the hiccup with uh, Kamari Wilson and uh, Miguel Mitchell? Um, what are you hearing? I know we can have our own opinions as fans. I don't mm -hmm. like to just guess. So what are you what are you hearing? Uh, what's holding them back from from grabbing that other spot? Besides, and, and does R.J. Moten has the other safety spot locked in? Um, I, I think you'll probably see Moten. Um, <laughs> oh, geez, poor, <laughs> poor Dan. I think so you'll bad. probably see Moten and Wilson start. Um, but like they just haven't they haven't performed. They haven't made plays. The the tackling is suspect. I think there's a lot that's asked to them in that offense and it's just not, it's just not a room that's performing. It hasn't performed in the spring and in, 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 or in the fall. Yeah. So, that's so Moten's not locked in either. I don't know that anyone's locked in right now. I mean, when we go to practice and we just see like how the, the reps go, sometimes Moten will be first on the line. Sometimes Kamari, sometimes Jordan Castell, um, sometimes like a walk on. Like it oh, just seems it, it just seems like a room that doesn't have that doesn't have answers right now. Not what you want to hear, Nick. Not what you want to hear at all. Uh, I'm I'm on the Jordan Castell. I know uh, you. It's not ideal for a safety to start. You know, even game one, especially not game one. But um, I'm all for playmakers. You know, put the guys out there that can make plays, make things happen. Uh, they may go with some veteran guys, but in my mind, I think that leash is about to be very short um, with, with the safety room. And, and the quicker we can figure that out as far as guys that can ball. We've just been missing ball hawks on that mm -hmm. back end and also sure tacklers. 
Oh, right. I got to see Trey Dean make some tackles in preseason this year. I was like, man, what the, what, what the hell was that? <laughs> Him and Mamu Diabate. Right? Like running down, you. smacking stuff. I'm like, what is going on? Like we couldn't get a No celebrations, tackle. nothing. It's, it's crazy how life works when you got to work for a paycheck, you know, and there's, and there's no transfer portal. But uh, we just been missing ball hawks. I don't remember the last time an overthrow was intercepted or any safety jumping routes. It's been a while since we've seen elite safety play. So, um, you know, I got to get playmakers back there. I don't even I don't even mind aggressive mistakes at safety. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, the absence of, of any type of playmaking on the back end has been a hindrance to the defense. So, you know, I hope that leash is very short with the safety room this year. Nick, have we heard anything about Dakota Mitchell in safety? No. I haven't heard that yeah. name in a while. Yeah, no, I'm just looking through the safety. Him. Right? I mean, we have, we have Kamari Wilson, Miguel Mitchell, Jordan Castell, RJ Moe. We've talked about all four of those. Then you have Bryce Thornton, who's a, a freshman. You have Jadarius Perkins, who was a, I guess, a nickel, uh, you know, whatever. Um, he's considered a safety. Um, you have a couple of walk-ons in Dakota Mitchell and then Jamarcus Weston, who's obviously the uh, the wide receiver, uh, a former wide receiver turned safety. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm worried. You know, I start to look at some of these older guys. You know, Dakota Mitchell haven't seen much of him. Obviously, Jamarcus Weston not a ton to expect. Jadarius Perkins is going to probably play that nickel role uh, more than anything. But there's just not a lot of depth there. Uh, definitely some cause for for concern. But I think. All of us probably think right now it's Kamari Wilson and R.J. Moten starting. Is that a good guess? Yeah. 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 So um, let's see. Let's run through Zach Albaverde while we wait for Cole. Let's run through Zach Albaverde's um, uh, projected depth chart. But before we do that, uh, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Fango Tickets. Go visit Fango. That's F A N G O tickets.com. Florida Gators, Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. If you are looking for season tickets or if you're looking to buy somebody's season tickets, think of it Airbnb. Uh, I put my season tickets up for the Lightning. I listed the games that I wanted to go to, I uh, listed the games uh, that I wanted to make available. Individuals can go on, you can buy. There's no cost to the buyer of those tickets for you to put your, uh, to get your tickets from Fango Tickets. Go check them out. We're going to work on a promotion with them over the next couple of weeks as well. But go visit FangoTickets.com, Airbnb, your tickets for the Lightning, the Bucks, and of course, the Florida Gators. All right, at quarterback, Graham Mertz, starter, backup, Max Brown, Micah Leon, uh, running back, Trevor Etienne, or Montrell Johnson, backing up with Trayon Webb. Receivers, Ricky Pearsaw, Caleb Douglas, Jacavian Frazier's backups, Marcus Burke, Khalil Jackson, Eugene Wilson, Andy Jean, and Aiden Mizell. Tight end, Dante Zanders, Arliss Boardingham. Any thoughts, surprises, things that you might do differently? Uh, but that's what we've got all the way up into the offensive line. Oh, no, it sounds, sounds, sounds appropriate to start game one. I expect yep. some shifts in, in the depth chart and, and snaps is more of an indicator than anything. Uh, we'll monitor those snaps once the game start getting played. But, no, it's pretty much what I thought it would be. Yeah. Okay. And then offensive line, Austin Barber, Micah Mazuka, Kingsley Aguakin, Richie Leonard, and Damian George. That is what we've talked about backing up. Left tackle, Jordan Herman. This is going left to right. Jordan Herman, then Jalen Farmer, Jake Slaughter, Nijay Harris, and Lindell Hudson. 
any it's not surprises. Bad backups. It's not that's not terrible. I'm thinking like it was it was a little worse than that. Now that you read it off, I'm not I'm not totally frightened by the uh the, the second. I would I would like to know if if you know what the center and guard situation looks like. I know mm -hmm. Richie Richie's kind of you know um uh, multi-discipline <laughs> in the offensive yeah. line. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not. I've been hearing good things about Jake Slaughter as well, and it could just be fluff, and you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and them just saying something to keep the fans from going too crazy. But I'm not mad at that too deep right now. Yeah, just uh, just a lot of inexperience. Jordan Herman, redshirt sophomore, obviously. Uh, Jalen Farmer's the redshirt freshman. Jake Slaughter, redshirt sophomore. Nigel Harris is a freshman. Lindell Hudson uh, is the FIU transfer. Just not a ton of. Um, snaps at the uh, the power five level uh, there between that, but that that top that top group of five Austin Barber, all SEC freshman team Micah Mazuka highly ranked uh, guard transfer Kingsley Aguakin he's ranked really highly in a lot of those preseason magazines and you know at times showed a lot of flashes. Richie Leonard, a guy that is moving into that that right guard spot, and then Damian George. Former projected starter, Alabama gets injured, loses position, comes over here, uh, but obviously a very talented guy. Uh, one that I think Cole Kublik was really high on uh, as well. Mm -hmm. So that that top five is not bad, and there's talent, I think, in the next five. It's just a lack of experience uh, there. And then Cole's waiting for us. So if you guys want to pause the offensive <laughs> line conversation there, it might yeah. be good timing. Perfect good timing. <laughs> Perfect. All right, we're going to welcome Cole Kublik from ESPN onto the show. Uh, Cole, man, it's it's a pleasure to have you. Why would we pause the offensive line discussion ever? That's it. We got to get going on, man. Okay, yeah, there we go. Get the offensive line going on here to talk about some offensive line talk, man. It's like perfect podcasting. I'm in for it. All right. Well, Cole, let's let's get right into it. I, I think you heard kind of the end of that conversation. We're looking at uh, the Gators' projected offensive line of Austin Barber, Micah Mazuka, Kingsley Aguakin, Richie Leonard, and Damian George going into that Utah game. Uh, what are your thoughts? Give us your your outside opinion. Yeah, I'll start with just kind of the guys that you would have there. Kingsley has played a ton of snaps, obviously a little bit dinged up, so I, I don't know the extent of that, what that's going to be. You hope that he's okay. Sounds like being day-to-day, -day, it's not going to be something that could affect him uh, in that opener against Utah. And you'll need him against Utah because that's going to be – I know a lot of people here Pac-12, and they're like, oh, yeah, we'll push those guys around. But that is – I've already heard that the O-line D-line out there is potentially as good as Kyle said he's ever had uh, combined on both sides of the ball in the trenches. They're, they're going to fight you, and that's it's always going to be a tough battle. So I would want to have Kingsley going into that game. I think he's a really good center. He's one that has a little bit more power than a lot of other centers in the league. He's a bigger frame, bigger, wider body. Damian George, when when he was at Alabama, I had Alabama twice in the first, I think it was three weeks last year. I had Utah State and then Vanderbilt. And both times we sat down with Coach Saban, he went out of his way to bring up Damian George, and he said, he is our most talented lineman. We have to get him on the field. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, they had a new position coach last year. Um, you know, maybe the offense, whatever it was, but he can play. Like, he's, he's got ability. And maybe technically, fundamentally, he had a ways to go. But it's one thing that I love about how Billy manages his staff, and that is having essentially two offensive line coaches because you're not going to waste any reps. So a guy like Damian George who needs extra reps, you can do that a lot of different ways. You could have your left guard, your left tackle – go on their own and go work some things. Hell, he could go on by himself with Darnell and go work on some things. And then Rob could take, you know, the rest of the offensive linemen, but splitting them 
two different ways is usually where the real value comes in. So you take your backup center and you go center right and you go center left. You cut them in half and you just work, work, work. So instead of the way I used to do it, which was your reps would go left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle over and over and over and over and over. But you double those reps now and you can split your guys up. So it's one of one of the things that Billy does that I'm seeing more head coaches do that I really, really like. Um, you know, we've seen – We've seen what Austin Barber can do. I think he's very capable. When I went back and watched um, Michael Mascua's film at Baylor, the first thing that stuck out to me is, one, the system is very similar. You're going to get a lot of stretch zone. You're going to get a lot of pin and pull. So he's not going to come in there and be asked to do things that he had not been doing prior, and he's got some nasty in him. And it's one thing that I know they want up front are guys that finish and guys that that play with a little bit, a little bit of an edge. And I think he brings that to that group. So – I think you're looking at a group that even though they hadn't played a ton of football together, has some talent, has some ability. And the other part is I, I expect a little bit of a jump because I, I'll use myself, for example, when I was at Auburn, we were mainly an isolation run team under Terry Bowden. When he left and Noel Mazzoni came in with Tommy Tuberville, we went strictly zone scheme. So it was inside outside zone. We had power and truck and counter that we would run every now and then, but it wasn't really until, late in the spring year two that it kind of started to come together and the complicated thing for a lot of fans when you're talking about the zone scheme is yes we can go back to the broncos of you know whatever the early 90s it was designed to pick everything up and and that's where the advantages do come in and it should and it does the thing the other side of that that a lot of people refuse to talk about is there's a lot of stuff that can go wrong in a lot of different places. Like if you don't get if you don't get your front side in reached, like that play's got to cut back immediately. Guard leaves the center too early, then they might not be able to get that combo block reached. You stay on a double team too long, linebacker run through is going to remove one of your gaps. You know, backside, if you're allowing guys to play flat down line, line of scrimmage, you don't get them cut off, you may have a really clean cutback lane. Your back does exactly what he's supposed to do. But these getting KO'd by the end who's crashing down. There's just there are so many things that can go wrong inside the zone scheme. There's so much feel to it that really makes it go. And I just really anticipate this group now in year two of this scheme really finding a way to be more on the same page than they were even last year, which later in the year I really thought that they were. And I think that could be a big advantage for this group as well. Even even though that you have so many new pieces together, because you know they, the Florida has the those hats five equals one, um, and, and I think more so than any other position on the field, you need to have synergy and chemistry uh, on the offensive line, and and they've just had guys dinged up all throughout yeah. the spring, and they've kind of had to move people around, and and from what you're saying, you'd like to have those five guys that are going to start take the majority of the reps together and, and get the feel of who's next to me on either side. I've always said this, Nick. Um, there's there's one way to be a great offensive lineman, and there's one way to be a great offensive line, and that's to do it full speed against people who are trying to make you look bad. Like I could take the three of you out there, and you could be my you could be my two guards and a tackle, and we'll find another tackle, and we can go t board right, t board left. We can run through the shoots. We can push the sled seventy two thousand times a day, and you guys are not going to be a good offensive line. You're just not. Like you could have every step. Every way to shoot your hands, all the hat placement can be absolutely perfect. But until you guys get out there and do it against a Gervon Dexter or a Cam Jackson or a Desmond Watson, and they're trying to kick your ass on a regular basis, 
you ain't going to know how to do it right. And you're not going to know how it feels. And you're not going to be able to successfully be able to go out and make those blocks. So, yes, I want my five together. You want the reps just in general, the physical reps. And I know Billy's not going to back away from having a physical camp. Even with some guys dinged up, it's always going to be part of their DNA and who they are on both sides of the ball. And you want those guys running as many reps at the same time. Like I said, though, with like a guy with Micah, he's done a lot of the same stuff. So that transition should be a little bit easier. Damian wasn't too far away from it, but that was such a quarterback-centric offense the last few years. I would imagine they probably spent more time in pass pro and in RPOs than they did with some of the straight run game stuff. So even though you want the same five on the field, it's also important, depending on how you're going to negotiate it. And see, now where we're getting to camp, we see it in Alabama, Auburn's doing it, Georgia's doing it. All of a sudden, they're seeing a tackle running at first-team guard or the first-team centers running at first-team guard, and people are like, oh, my God, what's happening? Well, you're also trying to start piece together, all right, if we lose this, like situational football, basically, if we lose our right tackle, who's the next guy up? Or if we lose our right guard, who's the next guy up? And if your right tackle is your next best option at your right guard, so your backup right tackle is better than your backup right guard, and you're going to move him down and put one in, you ought to start tinkering with that, too. So you want to know exactly where you're going at every spot if you were to lose a guy because it doesn't always work out where, oh, left guard comes out, here comes new left guard. Center comes out, here comes new center. It just doesn't work that way. More times than not, one of your other five is going to have to move to give you your best five on the field. So I do think there's a little bit of value being able to negotiate some of that. But the only way to get good at it is it has the same five on the field that are doing pretty close to full speed work as often as possible. Right. Cole, I want to talk to you about that, that next group of five. And I'm not sure, I don't expect you to know everybody's too deep uh, in the sec, let alone, but uh, the right now, the backup group is Jordan Herman, Jalen farmer, Jake slaughter, Najee Harrison, Lindell Hudson, Lindell Hudson, the FIU transfer, a lot of playing time under his belt. Have you been able to look at, at any of these guys? Is there any reason to be excited about what might be next with that group? Because what we've talked a lot about on our show is we've got that five starting group that, that we're excited about. It's a good group there. Uh, keeping Keontae Goodwin would have been great, but obviously the situation happened with his mother. But that next five, there starts to be some cause for concern. And we know not every team has 10, 12 ready-to-go offensive linemen, but of that next group of five, is there anybody that, that you've seen or you've heard about uh, that Gator fans should be, you know, at least qualm some of their fears? No, I, I did go back, same with Micah. I went back and watched um, some of Lindell's film. Big body, prototypical guard body. More athletic than you would think for – I think he's I think he's pushing 330, or at least that's what he was listed at. So you see him move uh, in some of the pull stuff that he was asked to do and some of the athletic stuff like change of direction. I was pretty impressed with what he did. I, I did think he played a little bit high at times, and I thought he wore down in certain games. But your 330 playing in South Florida is probably going to happen. I mean, it's just that's just a, a kind of a part of being a human being, I guess. But he's somebody from a power perspective and from a movement perspective I do think could be a good fit for what they're doing. You've got to be able to move laterally to play in this system because you're, you're, you're going to have pin and pull, so you're going to have to get out there and get out in open spaces and in the outside zone game. Like you're going to have to gain ground, drop that, that drop step and go. Like you've, you you got to be able to run a little bit to play in this system. So I did think he was a pretty good fit from what I saw uh, at, at FIU. I, I've seen a little bit of Jake Slaughter. I, I think he's a guy that can be fine as a backup center. I definitely don't like him as much as Kingsley. I don't think he has as much power. Uh, I don't think he's going to be as good as getting as much movement at the point of attack, say in the inside zone game. 
but I think he's a guy that's capable. Um, as far as the rest of those guys, I, I haven't seen a ton of them, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, either have we, so that's why we're just asking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cole, want to uh, step out of the offensive line discussion here. Obviously, uh, you've been able to analyze a lot of tape of, uh, of Utah and look at that team. We do have a question here from, uh, from Chris Sorley. He said, do you think that Utah's secondary uh, can cover Florida's skill position personnel? I think some of that would depend on on who's available on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, Florida obviously a little bit dinged up in, in camp. We heard a lot of hype about Andy Gene and what he's going to be capable of doing. And if he's out there and can give you another threat, I do think that would help. Um, I it, it should be an area that Florida has an advantage. Now, the the disadvantage that you're going to get is not so much man to man and okay, can Ricky Pearsall run past this guy or can he get out of his route and create separation here? It's going to be the different coverages that you get because Utah is just going to throw a lot at you. So I think more so the challenge with that matchup is going to be the recognition of what they're in and then when and where to throw the football or deliver the football, even if that's worth delivering the football against that coverage. That would be the bigger challenge for me when you're talking about the Florida skill positions going up against what Utah has to offer in the secondary. What about Utah as a whole? Obviously, there's still question marks about Cam Rising. There's some questions just about them as a whole. And, you know, they came to Gainesville uh, lost last year uh, on an Amari Burr interception to end the game. But obviously, going to Salt Lake City, you're playing at 5,000-ish uh, feet in the air. Uh, what what's, what's that Utah team look like? And then talk to us from maybe from a playing perspective. What is it like playing at different elevations that, that the, the Gators, you know, team might be uh, worried about? I think there's one, well, a couple of things that are all essentially the same thing that could offset that a little bit. That is the new rule changes. Number one, with the clock, you're you're going to eliminate a couple of plays, maybe even depending on the type of team that you're playing, a possession or two per game. I don't think that it affects these two teams like that, but it is going to compress the game a little bit. And then you have two offenses that are going to do a lot of movement pre-snap. Um, I mean, there's I don't know if there's anybody in the country that shifts or motions or trades more throughout the course of a game pre-snap than Andy Ludwig. And, and you'll get it a lot from Billy, too. Like he, he believes in that to be able to find his matchups and to be able to get defenses to show what they're doing. So that essentially will slow the game down in and of itself. I think that's a benefit for Florida going out there with two teams that are not going to go extremely fast and obviously new clock rules that are going to help compress the game as well. Physically, it's going to be a challenge on, on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. Um, as we just stated with the Florida O-line, I think they're up for that challenge. And I think the interior of the Florida defensive line will be fine. I, I hear great things about Cam Jackson. I loved his film at Memphis. I, I called Ryan Silverfield right away after I watched it. And I'm like, who the hell is this kid? And he was like, yeah, he's big time. We didn't want to lose him. Like he's, he's a really good player. And then obviously I think the depth at that spot is going to be okay. I, I worry a little bit about the edges and not because – I think Utah has, say, dominant tackles, but they're going to have good tight ends. And you're going to see, you know, 12 and 13 personnel, and they're going to they're extend the surface a little bit, and they're going to utilize those tight ends in the run game and in the pass game, which is going to complicate things a little bit. Um, Austin's going to throw a lot of looks at you, and he's going to do a lot of different things. I'm a big fan of Austin Armstrong. Uh, I think he is going to be a star in the coaching world. He is going to apply pressure. He's going to create it somehow, some way. But I think going against an offense like this, he, he might be able to sort of slow things down just a little bit. And with what he has in the middle of that defense, the creativity may come out in the alleys a little bit more 
with some coverage or different guys playing to, closer to the line of scrimmage and then backing off. So I, I think it's going to be a hell of a matchup. The Cam Rising thing that you brought up really to me is the difference because that is a different football team with or without Cam Rising. And then if you're getting down to, say, Bryson Barnes, uh, a guy who has hardly taken snaps over the last maybe calendar year. I, I don't really know what you're dealing with. So That's you're going I mean. from a, yeah you're you're going from a guy that that was one of the better quarterbacks in college football at certain times the last two three years, you know, to a guy that we just don't know a ton about and haven't seen a ton of. And how much could he handle at the line of scrimmage? Does Austin go more aggressive? if that's the case, and mix and matches looks and show different coverages and, and stunt and different things of that nature. If so, then I think what Austin has previously done becomes a bigger advantage because you want to try to show it all and try to force mistakes. So mm. I think it's a super intriguing matchup. I'm, I'm not one of these guys that doesn't think Graham Mertz can play football. Um, I actually saw some good things in the spring game from him. Like I want a quarterback to throw the ball away when a guy's in his face. I don't want you to try to force a ball in the coverage. I don't want you to take a strip sack fumble. Like, get the ball out. That's what we need. And I think people kind of refuse to look at the fact that there were free runners that were coming his way. There were mistakes along the offensive line and in pass protection in other places. There were some drops in that game as well. And I've heard he's had a great camp. So um, I think you're going to need some younger players in the secondary, maybe at linebacker and at receiver to really step up if this team's going to exceed expectations. But I think there's a better foundation than people believe year two in an offensive system that has been successful with two vastly underrated running backs, by the way. Like, I mean, people, I think people know ATN's explosive and, and can go and probably his name helps a little bit, but like I would, I'd, I'd sign me up to play with Montreal every day of the week. Like All the right. dude is just a grinder, man. Like mm -hmm. I, I love watching the kid play football. So I, I it's easy to, to compare this team to some of Spurrier's teams and some of Urban's teams and maybe even a Mullen team or two and say, oh, man, they're not that. That's fine. But you can't ignore all the positives that also lie there with what maybe could be for this Florida team at the same time. Cole, I want to ask you one more question, then let uh, Silk and Nick jump back in. Um, first, I want to correct myself. I got correct in the comments. It's only 4,200 feet above sea level, not 5,000. Oh, so my apologies fine, for being 20% off. And, uh, and Gators are going quick, out. Shame, shame yeah. on the you know? Utah beat reporters. We made a gigantic deal about heat and humidity last year. I was expecting them to to give us some elevation talk this, uh, this offseason. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> Cole, what's uh, what's what's the the big difference? Obviously, you know, there's less oxygen, and everything else. It takes a little bit longer to recover. But Gators are going out next week, play on Thursday. Only really have a day or two to get acclimated. Is that a is that a big difference, or is it kind of just a, a talking point because it's easy to talk about? I think I I do think it's different, but kind of like what you got, what Nick just mentioned about last year. And I'm not saying it's exactly the same. But, like, you guys have been in Gainesville when it rains, like, 30 minutes before kick, and then the sun comes back out. I'll trade elevation for that every day of the week. Like, it's just as hard to breathe. Yeah, I mean, I'm working the sideline. I'm having trouble breathing uh, when, when stuff like that happens. I was just in altitude, Cole, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'll take altitude breathing over this, this Florida humidity every day of the week. Uh, I don't think conditioning is going to be a, a – and this is your question, but I don't think conditioning is going to be the, the end-all, be-all of this game. Yeah, I mean, it's listen, these kids have played in Baton Rouge. These kids have played in either Tuscaloosa or Auburn or Starkville or Oxford. Like, you don't think – Athens, Jacksonville, you, you, don't, you don't think that the, 
the humidity is an issue there. Like the only place worse than Gainesville is Baton Rouge, by the way. Like, it, yeah. I mean, it's just, and I think the thickness that you deal with there, it all comes down to just getting your wind back and that it, it takes a little bit more time to become reoxygenated and get your wind back and get your lungs back under you. And so I would imagine from a rotational standpoint that the coaches have an understanding that they may have to do more of that. There will be more oxygen tanks on the sideline. And as we just stated, you know, you're, you're, it's not like you're playing what Colorado is going to be this year with Sean Lewis, where he's running like 130 plays a game. Like you're not playing Tennessee this week. So the game moving very slowly, it, I think that offsets the altitude issues that you have. Unless we just get, you know, a pick six and then a kick return for touchdown and then another big play. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, my you're God, it's even back and forth. Like, yeah, then you have a little bit of a problem. But I just don't see four quarters of us looking over at the sideline and saying, you know, whoever's doing that game, like, look at this. The Gators can't breathe. This is unbelievable. Like, I mean, we got third stringer walk-ons out there. It's like it's not that's not that's not a real thing. Uh, I wanted to get you brought up Tennessee. Uh, uh, big picture, I think Vegas has Florida at like five and a half uh, win total. Um, and I've gone anywhere from like six wins, talked myself into eight wins, um, give you some time to pull it up. But I, I look at Florida's schedule. If they can win at Utah and if then you beat McNeese, I think I'm not, I'm just not high on Joe Milton. I remember Joe Milton at Friday Night Lights when he was a, a junior in high school trying to get a scholarship offer at Florida. I remember him at, Michigan. I remember him being bad at Tennessee, and now um, he's kind of taking the AR playbook of you know throwing balls uh, 80, 80 yards uh, with, without moving his feet or you know from a knee. Um, I think flips. that's a t- I think that's a tough game. I think that's a really tough game for Tennessee on the road uh, with with Joe Milton making that that first road trip. I think Florida needs to if they're going to get to seven wins, eight wins, they have to stack wins early because after Georgia. Uh, I think Arkansas is a really physical team. LSU, that's going to be a, a nasty 11 a.m. kickoff at Missouri in late November. It's going to be 27 degrees. You're going to have to bring your own juice to that one. So I think I, I look at the in Florida State, obviously, at the end of the year, I think Florida needs to stack wins early, um, which would mean winning on the road at Utah and then getting your first SEC win against SC, uh, Tennessee at home. Well, the, the first thing, Nick, is we know – what that is playing that game in that stadium. I mean, that was an essential early when I fell in love with college football, that was a a semifinal quarterfinal playoff game. So when Tennessee goes in to Ben Hill Griffin, like that's, it's, it's going to be extra. We know that. And some of the things that we talked about with this game against Utah could be very beneficial against Tennessee. How many possessions can you realistically steal from that team? They're not going to be great on defense. They might be better, but, hell, they were in the 120s in, in a lot of categories last year. So I think the defensive line's a little bit better. Can Keenan Peely, the BYU transfer, help? They got another BYU transfer in the secondary that maybe helps. But I don't see guys who can take over games on that Tennessee defense. So Florida all of a sudden comes out and rips off these methodical drives, and you cut the possessions down by a third. At, at that point in time, all you need is one or two mistakes – And then all of a sudden, you're in control of the game. So I think it's an intriguing matchup. I think it's one that the way that Austin calls his defense, it doesn't concern me as much about how Tennessee runs their offense. And I, the the thing that I'll be more concerned about the receiver position than I would Joe Milton. Now, and here's the other part about Tennessee's offense last year that I'm anxious to see is when that thing's really going, 
they're physical up front. And that goes for Baylor when they were doing it. That goes for Ole Miss when they were doing a version of it. That goes for Tennessee last year. Some of the UCF teams that they had, when that thing becomes physical up front, that's to me when that offense peaks. It doesn't peak when you have good receivers and a good quarterback. The fact that you can go back and watch Darnell Wright against Kentucky just bludgeoning people or against Alabama and everybody pees their pants about what he did against Will Anderson in the passing game, pass pro, but go watch him in the run game in that game. Like they were moving people off the ball. Tennessee hasn't done that to Alabama since I played college football. That shouldn't happen. So I, I worry about that group a little bit. I, I mean, you got a kid that should be playing right tackle that doesn't want to go over there. You have a Miami transfer at left tackle that everybody says is, is nice. fine and is just going to fit right in and John Campbell. But your center's dinged up right now, and they don't have a backup center. So do you save him until that game? I, I don't know. And then if you do save him, what's he going to be in that game? There, there are a lot of question marks around that portion of it, but that receiver position could be filthy. I mean, Ramel Keaton is kind of a do-it-all guy that can line up anywhere – Dante Thornton, apparently, and listen, they had a they had a college football folk hero last year that we had been hearing about, and Brew McCoy, who was at Texas and USC, is like, oh my God, nobody's ever run like this kid, and he's so big and so fast, and we finally got to see a little bit of it. Well, it sounds I'm hearing same things like Dante Thornton, so maybe he is that guy. If he is, with Squirrel White hitting like 23 on the GPS, that's a lot of different body types in different places that could be problematic with how they align things. But if you can play the run game with fewer numbers, which is essentially what Georgia could do, and then close space, which is what Georgia can do, then you give them some problems. And also, I'll just say this. like I think there's a lot of good in Joe. I think he's going to do some amazing things this year. Like I think he'll have two 500-yard games, and I think he'll have two games on Sunday morning. We wake up and say, what in the hell happened to Tennessee's offense against that group? There will be inconsistencies. It's just that's in him. That, that's, that doesn't just get repaired in one offseason. But they'll also be able to add some interior quarterback run and some other things like that. So I think that's one that style of play is how Florida has to win that game. But I agree with you. If you get Utah and Tennessee, I think you're in good shape because then you got a ton of confidence going to Kentucky. We know what that game has kind of turned into the last few years. I think Kentucky's going to be a lot better than people think. Arkansas could be a really interesting matchup. At South Carolina is not going to be easy, but I think there are some inherent advantages that Florida may have in that one. Nobody has an easy time going to Baton Rouge. I'm already going to say it. I think they lose November 18th in Columbia just because of they're not going to want to be there and like to be I've, there. It's just I've said this. Deal. I've said this. That is in in the going into my 11th year covering Florida. I, I've seen Florida lose that exact game many years. It's just not a it's not a fun matchup for them. Like that's not one that you look at and say, oh yeah, I feel great about that one. And Florida State's got a lot of good about them, you know. Um, like that kid that they got from Western Michigan, like, dude, Braden Fisk, he can play. I had one of his games last year. I watched a lot of his film. We know what Verse can do off the edge. You got another one on the other side. Uh, the offensive line's finally not a liability. And, you know, I, I think they designed the run game. You know, I, I think Mike and Chip Kelly are probably the two most creative run game designers in college football. So they're, they're tough to manage in a good group of receivers. But you get it at home. And depending on what's on the line there, you could make some things happen. So, but I agree with you. They they got to stack a few early if they're going to get to seven or maybe past that. Uh, my question is: You've been so thorough. I don't have a lot of questions. Uh, great information, uh, but the confidence from 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 Billy Napier and and some of the players on campus has been, you know, uh, having me step back a little bit with my expectations this year. 
Um, I know Vegas have us, has has us at five wins, but what what are, what are your opinions about Billy Napier in year two, and um, our season outcome this year? Like how you think it all unfolds? I'll just I'll preface this with I'm a Billy Napier fan, and like I be, I believe in him, and I believe in how he does things. Um, you know, you hear, and, and I told people I think I think Nick and I had this conversation when he was hired. I was like, you're, they're going to have the first press conference. And everybody's going to walk away like, what in the F just did we just do? Like, what is Scott thinking? Because he's not a press conference guy. He's he's not, you know, he's not row the boat. He He's not, you know, <laughs> brick by brick. Like, that's that's not who he is. He's, he's not going to go say things. Yeah, he's not going to go say things to try to get people excited. He's not going to have all these stupid slogans that he throws out to the fans thinking that they're going to buy tickets. He just believes in building it from the ground up. And what they've done has worked. He's been a lot of other places that it's worked. Not necessarily his way, but their way, and he's taking pieces from that. So it will take a little bit of time to get it right, but I think you'll see at points in time this season where what they run, how they run it, what's in their DNA, people are going to like that. And let's be real, the, the, the talent wasn't on par with the rest of the SEC when they took over. There was a little bit of a hiccup with all the NIL stuff. They're not the only school that dealt with that, by the way. I mean, there have been a lot of schools that, I mean, some teams hit home runs and everybody thinks that a lot of these people that that were really good at NIL early on just had it figured out. The reality is some people tried something and it worked and other people's tried something and it didn't work because nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Mm-hmm. Like nobody had done that before. Nobody knew how to manage it. So I think they, they've got that back on track. It's heading in the right direction. They're getting guys that want to play football the way that they want to play. And, and that's pretty physical at the line of scrimmage. Now, athletically, you're seeing them go out and grab some guys that can help them in that way a little bit more. So I, my, I, I don't mind people being confident in camp. You know, Auburn's kind of dealing with this right now, where where I live in Birmingham, you're start, it's starting to get like, I think kind of like what you were mentioning, it's starting to get like scary confident where you're like, all right, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> you know, you got people throwing around nine, 10 wins. It's like pump the brakes on that. Like they're not winning 10 games, but there are going to be a lot of things that are going to be a lot better. And yeah, I think it's maybe a little easier for Auburn fans because there are certain spots through the portal that the talent has been upgraded so immensely, but their roster was worse than what Florida's roster was. So they had to have some of that done. Um, but I, I like the confidence in camp because to me it shows as, as long as it's not the false confidence that we talked about with quotes and slogans and turnover trash cans and things like that, <laughs> as long as it's more along the lines of buy-in and right. belief and now the kids want to go out and compete the way you want them to compete. I think that's positive. And, you know, Billy's going to get that buy-in one way or the other. And if you don't, you won't be around. So, and it's a different era. You got to handle that a little bit differently now. It's not just my way or the highway every single day, 24-7. But you still have to operate in the manner that those guys are going to want you to. And I think he'll get that right. Absolutely. A lot of buy-in. Uh, any final questions, gentlemen, before we let Cole get back to his day job? Nah, man. I appreciate it, Cole, man. It's an absolute pleasure to, to have you on. Uh, I don't know if the schedule has been set yet, but you're going to have a, a couple Florida Gator games on your uh, on your schedule this year, so we're looking forward to uh, to hearing you, Cole, but uh, I know all three of us are big fans of yours, so thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today. I appreciate it. Always enjoy my trips to Gainesville. I always hope that they're a little bit later in the season uh, just to avoid that humidity. But, yeah, we'll catch up next time I'm there. I appreciate you guys having me. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Cole. Thank you. Cole, um, I hit Cole up the other day. He he, uh, put on Instagram a picture uh, 
first day of school, taking the kids to school. And my guy was in some off-white sneakers. And I, I hit him up, and I was like, yo, don't have any kids yet, but that's dad goals. Yeah. yeah. Car, carpool, carpool line, some off-whites. You got to hit the loop line. I, I have on my Crocs. Uh, I'm not going to get out of the car. Uh, even on first day, my kids are too old for that. Get out, go go, go see your teacher type vibes. But I, I respect the off-whites. Shout out to Cole for sliding through, man. Absolute legend. Yeah. He, he's uh, one of the better guests that we've ever uh, gotten, or that we've had on the show uh, in the past, and now just a, just an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, so shout out to- Oxygenated? Is that a word? He said oxygenated. And I thought, I was like, man, I don't know. It is now. Is that a word? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think so. You got to be properly oxygenated oxygenated you know the verb of taking in oxygen i guess uh i love it so uh let's see let's get back uh, i think we've talked about offense we talked about defense nick it's your time to shine but before we do that uh chris we'll get to your question here in a second let's give a shout out to our friends over at home field apparel go visit homefieldapparel.com use promo code stadium and gale now uh, get 15 percent off of your order about 20 different items that you can pick from including one of those kind of retro looking starter jackets or the gators those have already been sent out you guys have been great stewards of the uh the podcast promo code so go check out homefieldapparel.com promo code stadium and Gale, and they are going to be doing a Florida Gators bundle. I believe it is next Sunday, the 27th be out on the lookout for that. We'll talk to you guys a little bit about it uh, as it comes up, but go check out homefieldapparel.com. Um, Nick, we're going to talk about special teams, but before we do that, since we just talked to him. Um, so what did Cole say that you guys don't necessarily agree with? Great pod. Wish we could have had this question when he was on air, uh, but just muted him. Uh, anything that you guys <laughs> disagreed uh, with Cole about? Uh, just the Missouri game. Uh, I just want—I know we got—I I hate that game, and I know like it's just not. The, I just hate one of Missouri. I hate seeing my guys go out there. It's a shitty uh, a situation. But I want to see these guys mature past. You know those letdowns, going to games flat. That's the growth I want to see this year. A lot of damn yeah. Mullen teams. We're going to these games flat, you know, down, even if it was a noon game. So I want to see these guys mature past that. And I think the buy-in and where Billy's at in year two, I don't think we're going to get those flat games in November when it's cold. Uh, I want to see them come out. Last year was a, a total letdown with what he came out versus Mizzou. So um, I think there's some change in that. Yeah, and Vanderbilt. What Correct. is Mizzou? Vanderbilt Mizzou. was nasty. Mizzou's game 11. So, like, let's say you're – six and four going into Missouri. Now they, they stink too. So that's a hundred percent, a noon kickoff, 11 a.m. Local. It's November 18th in, in Columbia, Missouri. It's going to be cold. Mm. There's going to be 30,000 people there. But I think with young uh, boys, right. With, with young up and coming guys, they should be still locked in. Cause our roster is going to be very young, especially by tw towards the end of the season. I expect some of these guys to get jumped on the roster. So I expect the six and four young team to still be bought in. Maybe if some veteran guys are just checked out and mm -hmm. want to go, you know, thinking about the NFL. But I don't think we have that type of roster. I think we have a, some young guys that still should be, and that's the growth I'm looking for. Still should be bought in. Um, but you still need you still need those young guys are looking to the older guys. And okay, if 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 the guy that I've been looking to all year is is going half ass in practice, if he's like, hey, it's Mizzou, don't worry about it. We're going to get in and get out. Does does that – do you have the leadership um, of the older guys who are now going through a 6-4 and four season up to that point? 
losing their jobs, losing their reps. Um, you know, do you have the young guys step up and 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 have their own mentality, or or do you get some, you know, cranky and whiny players who you know when things are, when you're so. six and four in the, when you're six and four in November, <laughs> uh, you know, it's easy to lose a locker room. Yeah, I just think the, the additions of Taraji Mitchell coming from winning programs, uh, those are some of your veteran guys. Mm. Pearsall uh, is going to have – he had buy-in last year all the way to the Florida State game, to the bowl game. He was still locked in. Um, I, I think we have the roster, and some of these young guys are just they, – they, they, they exhibit a lot of leadership qualities. But I just think there's a different – it's a different roster. It's not, you know, the it's not the Coxes. Of last year that mm. that was just not even setting the edge, not trying to play disciplined football, just worried about sacks for themselves. I don't think we have those same type of attitudes on the team. I think we kind of you know uh, weeded out those type of guys. We may still have a few, but not done, none that we're depending on in my in my mind. But by game ten or eleven, I expect these young freshmen and sophomores to be to, to pass some of these older guys that just aren't playmakers. Uh, how many guys we still got from the Dan Mullen era? in the skill positions, I expect a lot of those guys to get jumped. Yeah. I don't know how many uh, Dan Mullen guys we're still relying on when it comes to the skill positions, but I expect some of the, a lot of those guys to get jumped. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's many of this roster. What, Nick? I think there's about 30 left from Dan Mullen. Um, the exact number. I'm right, It's right around 70, including walk-ons that are – Billy Napier guys, so 70 out of what, uh, 115, 110? Yeah. So we're, yeah, we're in the right it ballpark. Should be fresh, it should be fresh culture. It should be. So that's – you may be right, Nick, but this is my perspective of what I want to see out of growth. That's how – I'm, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm not – yeah, mm. I'm not – like, I'm not reporting that. Like, hey, Florida's got a bunch of bad attitudes. I'm just saying, yeah, could that be? I've seen that before. Hey, the guy – the guy that's like uh, Taraja Mitchell, I'm not saying that'd be his attitude, but the guy who's playing his last year, well, shoot, I'm not getting, I'm not getting hurt at Missouri when, when the draft's coming up. Are you crazy? No way. Um, do, I, I, do, I've just seen that before. I'm not saying that those are guys in for his locker room. I've just seen that before. Sure. But do you think that there might be a difference this year just with the talent that's been infused over the last two years? That even if that is the attitude, then. Fine. Down. We have some. We have some players that can can move up that that Florida didn't maybe have the luxury of last year. Yeah, yeah. But then that's where I, I said like, okay, well, do those young players have their own mentality, or does if you have bad attitudes from seniors, juniors, guys who were leaders in the spring, were leaders in the fall, and now they're making business decisions in November, mm -hmm. does that attitude, does that work ethic, or change in attitude permeate? Two of the younger guys. It's like, all right, yeah. well, if he's doing that at practice, I, I can get away with that too. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about hopefully a situation that doesn't happen, right? Um, we're um, opining um, on, on on a situation, uh, but but at the end of the day, I, I think that Florida's culture, and hopefully this is the case, Florida's culture has gotten a little bit stronger to be able to fight through some of that. You didn't have a lot of options at you know defensive tackle, at defensive end, uh, at safety. Not that you have a ton now, right? 
DB depth was a was a little wonky last year. Not that there wasn't talent, but it was young. You had one guy in a cast. Um, you know, so on the defensive side of the ball, that got gashed for a lot of the season. Hopefully, you start to see where culture can can supplant some of that. Hey, if this guy isn't giving a hundred percent, then maybe there is somebody that will. We don't know. We're talking about a game ten games from now uh, that we haven't played. And we hope that Florida's not six and four. We hope that that's not an issue that they're dealing with. So, um, you know, but hopefully the the culture uh, is uh, has changed in a minute. Um, let's see, Russell. I got your question about bar fighting. We'll talk about that uh, here mm-hmm. in a minute. Um, before we do that, we do need to get on with some scheduled programming. Nick, uh, we do have some some special teams named. Uh, here we've got uh, Adam Mahalik doing field goals, uh, and we've got uh, um, Trey Smack doing uh, kickoffs. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting, this is a quote from Adam Mahalik. I love kicking with Trey. It's so fun. We're really neck and neck with one another. He's a, He was phenomenal also on field goals. We are both up there. Over 90%. Um, is that in practice? Is that just practice, when they're on yeah. that third field? Okay. Yeah, they uh, they they do some special teams throughout. Like they're not tracking. I, I'm sure they're tracking. You know that uh, Coach Couch is tracking every kick that they make, things like that. But uh, just in team periods, when they're, when they're doing field goals, they were at ninety percent. They said, "Gotcha." Um, and then Jeremy Crawshaw is your starting punter, of course, who is number two, I believe. Um, in the NCAA last year with uh, with punting average. Uh, and then Rocco Underwood is your long snapper. Um, former six-star recruit, Rocco Underwood. <laughs> um, any, uh, any thoughts on special teams? Is there cause for concern about Trey Smack being a scholarship um, kicker? Adam Mihalik, walk-on, also on scholarship. Well, he's not on scholarship anymore. He, they put him on, on scholarship. scholarship. Put him on scholarship in the spring, in the summer, um, but he's not. You don't need two scholarship kickers unless one's a senior and the other one's a freshman. You don't need two. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, there, there's not a lot of separation between them uh, in terms of in terms of age. So I don't know how long you would uh, have both of them on the roster. Which I'm pulling up the football roster right now. I think I think it's redshirt sophomore, redshirt freshman. Is who? Mahalik is a redshirt fre- or sophomore. Redshirt sophomore. And a redshirt freshman. So like, there's not even like a separation between the two. I don't know how long they might, they might really enjoy hanging out together. Uh, but if you're trying to get to the NFL, you can't be doing it just kicking the ball off. Mm. Mm. All uh, right. Special, and then- special teams wise, I just know everybody got the eye on it because special teams was uh, a, a, a sore last week and it was ugly. Ugly situation, so um, definitely got my eye on, you know, what the kicking looked like, punting, kick return, kick off, all of that was was not a good look last year. So, want to see if we improve or do we need to bring in uh, a special ops person for that spot? Special ops. Uh, on that note, returner Ricky Pearsaw, Trevor Etienne are starting at punt return and kick return, respectively. We've talked a little bit about Trevor Etienne. Uh, is that a position the Gators want to put themselves in with Cam Carroll? You know, definitely a question that the staff is going to have to look at. Uh, backup Eugene Wilson at punt return and Jamarcus Weston uh, at kick return. Uh, does that sound about right? This is going back to Zach Albaverde's article. Weston is I mean, that's, a returner? That's yeah. wild because Weston's playing linebacker now. I've never seen 
He's that linebacker? I've never seen a coaching staff tell someone to transfer by like moving you from yeah. receiver to Position safety. No, 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 no. Keep that eighty-two at safety. Yeah, West and then you beat. work at then you work at safety for a couple of weeks, and they're like, yeah. "Yo, try try inside linebacker." Yeah, I try that too, coach. I like Midtown. I want the UF degree. <laughs> I'm not yeah. going to transfer to Southeast San Diego, San Diego State to get this Rudy Pooh degree. I'm going <laughs> to hang out in Gainesville, you know, and, and, and take my future and my professional uh, life into something other than sports, you know, like the yeah. commercial says. Uh, I, Harrison Sanchez I, says Jamarcus Weston is at 240 pounds. So maybe we, uh, maybe we won't see Jamarcus Weston. This is his uh projected depth chart zach albaverde so give all your hot takes to him western hive man i was a big guy in the western hive and uh you know i'm with you bro just hang out get that degree you got to be aware in life you know and if you were switching that many positions nfl is probably not in your future so secure secure a fire degree <laughs> all right that uh, going kind of reverse order, he has the starting safeties as R.J. Melton and Miguel Mitchell with the backups being Kamari Wilson and Jordan Castell. Um, I think that we differ, but again, we'll we'll see what that ultimately looks like. I think there's going to be a lot of rotation there until they get uh, that group finalized. At the star position, that nickel, Jaden Hill or Jadarius Perkins uh, with Sharif Denson as the backup. Playing linebacker with 82 is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it looks crazy. I want to see it. The writing's on the wall, Silk. I, I don't think you're gonna. See, I don't think you're gonna see it. Uh, even in garbage, we just gotta blow McNeese State out, and I think we see 82 at linebacker. I want to see. It's gotta be history. 82 is the mic. 82 is the mic. 82 is the mic. That's nuts. Uh, that's, that's definitely nuts history in football. Does that mean that he's added like 50 pounds since being in college? Fits his frame. He's a big guy, so like, yeah, he, he had the frame to add. He looks good. Two thirty-two listed. Handsome guy. Dresses <laughs> comfortable. Nick sees my balls and salty all the time. Mm. I would, I would not. Do you yeah, swing him by uh, your pizza place? What's it called again? Uh Court of Heroes. Haven't been there. Court of Heroes. All right, uh, cornerback. We have Jason Marshall and Jalen Kimber backing up Devin Moore and Jakeem Jackson. Uh, I think you'll see Dejon Johnson back there uh, as well. I mean, I think for all intents and purposes, it's definitely Jason Marshall, Jalen Kimber, Devin Moore is probably your next one right off the bench. And then uh, Jakeem Jackson, I don't think you get a lot of burn, but I, I do think that you see a ton of Devin Moore uh, at cornerback, even if he's not the starter this year. Can I, can we do like a quick, let me, let me just play this game with you guys real quick. Yeah. Uh, give me your, uh, and we'll do, we'll do offense next week. Right. But just off the, off the cuff, uh, your, your defensive, Freshman of the year. Mm. Mm. Jordan Castell. Mm. I see what you did there. Uh, Jakeem Jackson. You guys are going deep. I mean, give me, give me, uh, you guys, I don't want to repeat y'all's. Give me Kelby Collins. Okay. You can have a lot pick. of opportunity to play at, uh, at F, at Edge as well. Um, mm. I mean, I, I saw someone asking about. Um, Does Chris McClellan count? Nah, nah. No, no. He's, okay. he's a redshirt freshman. Is he? That's what he Zach's him? article says. I think that line. Mm. Well, I mean, he did say Jamarcus Weston was returning punts. 
and like linebacker. Dude, and linebacker. I mean, that's that's a very strong message being sent. Dude, to imagine somebody, a two hundred and forty pound linebacker returning punts. And I will be taking that message just like Weston. That's why I like it. Like you know, you know, bro. I see the I see the vision. I need this degree. Colin's not a true freshman. He's a he's he is a red shirt freshman. Or he is a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Okay. He got too many reps last he's year. Yeah, that's he played, played in all thirteen games last year. Right. No, 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 Chris. Nobody's blasting Gators online. I'm just reading what Zach's article says verbatim. So <laughs> if you have a problem <laughs> with this depth chart, I want to point who your uh, your question should be towards. Shout out to uh, Abbevert. He does great work. Love Zach. All right. Let's just see. Uh, inside linebacker, we got Shamar James and Taraji Marcus Mitchell. Weston. What? <laughs> Jamarcus yeah, Weston. That's West. right. Uh, Derek Wingo, Manny Nunnery are the backups. Uh, expect to see Scooby, Deuce Spurlock, uh, and Jaden Robinson probably as well. Uh, Shamar James is back from injury. And then obviously Taraji Mitchell, former highly ranked four-star guy, comes to uh, the Gators from Ohio State, redshirt senior. Um, should should expect a lot. Uh, any thoughts on linebacker before we get to edge, real quick? No, I, I like I like linebacker. <clears throat> I mean, we we saw Shamar in person. Like, dude, he's big. Yes. Shamar 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 blew up. Put like the air in, put the air in his biceps. Um, he looks good. Still runs really well. Um, I like Taraja. I think Taraja anchor ball or anchor man. Or not anchor man. Dodge ball. Dodge ball. I think Taraj is a lot like Ventrell. Like people are going to be upset when he's not good in coverage, but he's going to be really good against the run. Um, he's that same kind of veteran voice in the locker room. Um, but I, I yeah, <laughs> I was talking greasy. What was that? Two pods ago, I was I was like, yeah, like Ray Lewis, Zach Thomas, the way he runs sideline to sideline, and people were like, oh, oh, he's going to be that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's more Ventrell Miller. I mean, I'll take Ventrell Miller out of Taraja Mitchell. I think the mm-hmm. fans will as well. And then we know the the, the bright side of, of what Shamar James could be. So uh, my my expectations in the linebacker room is sky high. You know, Manny Nunnery mm-hmm. hearing great things um, said about him as well. Uh, we're not saying a lot about Derek Wingo, but there's some mm-hmm. people that are, are speaking his praise as well. Uh, and Scoobs, I should, that's what I forgot to ask Cole about. He mentioned um, Scoobs in a tweet. Uh, earlier this summer about he, he was hearing some good things. So just hearing great things about the linebacker room. I think we got depth there. We got some athletes that could run sideline to sideline if Taraja is struggling and, and obvious passing downs and or somebody got to spread it out going no huddle. You got you got to get a guy like that off to the field. But I like the whole overall room where we at from leadership all the way down to just athleticism. Absolutely. Always good to have a, a good leader, even if he's not playing. He's definitely definitely wearing that as a badge of honor. At Edge, Prince Eumann Milan, a uh, guy that everybody's excited about, third team, uh, all SEC uh, player preseason. Tyreek Sapp, uh, who's going to be filling in for, for Justice Boone, who uh, is out for the season as probably your uh, two starting defensive ed- – or uh, your, your two edges – Princey's probably more of your stand-up guy, and, and then Tyreek will be uh, more hands in the dirt. Uh, Jack Pyburn, who a lot of fans are excited about, especially Jacksonville folks, um, always got to look elsewhere to get excited about something in Jacksonville. <laughs> uh, and then Kelby Collins, a uh, guy that Silk said is his uh, is his guy uh, for potentially uh, freshman of the defense for the year. So um, Cameron James is also uh, a name to be on the, the lookout for. 
Oh, and then really? finally, defensive line, we've got Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks. I think Caleb Banks is, you know, a guy that surprised a lot of folks. I think he was somebody that a lot of folks seemed to be excited about before he came onto campus. But then you looked, he didn't play a ton at Louisville, only got a few snaps uh, under his belt. But obviously, he has come in and supplanted uh, Desmond Watson, who played a lot of snaps last year, and Chris McClellan, who you know, played you know, a lot of snaps and, and looked good when he did. Uh, Jamari Lyons and Will Norman uh, are two additional names there. Uh, that seems to me like you have a group of, of five and, you know, Will Norman being young, you know, maybe six guys, which is such a catastrophically different or not catastrophically, such a diabolically different uh, look than, uh, than last season. Last year, it was just like, I remember people were like getting on Gerve at the end of the Utah game. I looked down and like, oh, this is his 65th play of the game. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. dog tired. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of guys get, got got some. Uh, you no know, criticism is, is is fine, but I think a lot of guys got that criticism as far as they motor. Um, but even Princely, there were some games where like he, he was snaps would go off and he would just kind of just stand up. And, and I think these guys reps being cut down. Is gonna uh, you know improve their motor and their you know um, you know output as far as production, but yeah we relied on Gravon and Desmond Watson way too much last year, man. You know I think that hurt Gravon's uh, draft stock more than anything. Just mm-hmm. uh, bad reps that are, aren't good reps on tape, you know, and being tired and exhausted doing certain reps is, is gonna give you a bad you know film. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, we're getting to the end of the show today. Let's go uh, one final visit for our friends over at Alumni Hall. Go visit them on Archer Road right off of 75 or go visit them online at alumnihall.com. They have the new black jerseys uh, that were also uh, – we talked a little bit about them last week, but they are on sale uh, now. But if you're looking for Nike or or uh, Jordan, a champion brand, whatever it might be for apparel, but if you're also looking for accessories, if you're looking for – uh, Christmas tree ornaments, all that kind of fun stuff. No better place to go get your Florida Gators clothing and accessories than Alumni Hall. Again, go visit them on Archer Road in Gainesville, Florida, or on alumnihall.com. Let's go through a couple of these questions here. Uh, Harrison Sanchez, Dan is a life uh, wallet shareholder. Have you been questioned by the FBI? That's a great Not question. yet. Uh, but it's a great question. My phone line remains open uh, for any questions that I've been dealing with uh, as a shareholder. Gunna um, Dan is ready to snitch, Harrison. I'm ready to snitch. Um, Nick, uh, any update on Gavin Hill, uh, the Gainesville uh, freshman? I would imagine that the, the position is just pretty full uh, right now. But have you seen or heard anything about him? Yeah, I, I, I would assume he would play two, three, four games. Um, you can also play in the bowl game. Um, like if you've already played in four, you can keep your redshirt by still playing in the bowl game as your fifth. So I think he's a, a retro candidate. Yeah. And then I know we've, uh, there's some discussion about Aaron Gates. I know he's injured. Is he, he's, um, he's going through stuff, but I think it's just, he, uh, it's just taking a while to come back and get hundred percent with, uh, with his knee injury that uh, happened in high school. Yeah, and then we he got a random a, Joseph Putu shout out. What's up? Love that, Putu, man. <laughs> Love that. Um, and then uh, questions. Uh, we talked a little bit about Sharif Denson. Heard he's making noise in the star room. Uh, I would imagine that he is a very talented player. It's just a, it's a tough position. 
Uh, and then you do have some seniority there. But but Nick, have you seen or heard much about uh, Sharif Denson climbing that depth chart? Or is it just going to be a matter of time? Yeah, I think they like him. Um, but I would he I think in my opinion it's going to be Perkins starting Hill behind him, mm. um, and, and then Sharif will be third. Okay, perfect. And then one final question for you guys. Let's pull it up. Russell Swick. In the past, I've asked some odd questions during Dive with 35. What five teammates would he roll with for a bar fight? So along those lines, which guests from your show would you roll with for a bar fight? Mm-hmm. Cole. Cole would be a good one. Cole. I have a list of former players that, that we've had here. Um. Those are some good questions. Uh, I think. Oh boy, um, give me Snell. I'll take Snell. Yeah, take mm. Snell. Um, we have major, major, major been on the show. Major Wright's been on the show. Yeah, I'm rolling. I'm rolling STA with Major. Okay, John Bostic was on the show. Brandon Hicks. Um, is up there. Sharif Floyd. Sharif. Channing Crowder, I'll put him on my team. Ch- yeah, Channing's probably- Oh, Channing's on. <laughs> yeah, Channing's, Channing's on. Vibes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt um, Elam. Um, I'll take Eric Matt, Rett. too. Matt's, Matt's a knuckler. Yeah. He's um, a knuckler. Yeah, you look no like a knuckler around with, five, six, you, one, man. you look like a knuckler with my hat on. I appreciate it, man. You know, the awareness a little bit, bro. He just gave me some Irish, you know, swag. I like it. A little Fred Sanford vibe. Yeah, um, uh, Jelani Jenkins, uh, Chad Jackson, my yeah. linebackers there. Marcus Roberson, he seemed ready to square up. Earl Everett, mm-hmm. you know, that's the kind of guy that I want. I need. I got to add some weight to to my situation, so I'm gonna go with an offensive lineman or a big guy like that. You know, just so we could get out of this fight alive. Um, last thing, uh, some of those Carter? names. Some of those names reminded me of uh, Swamp Kings, which comes out if you're listening to this yeah. live, comes out tomorrow. If you're listening to this on the way to work Tuesday, it's on your Netflix. Um, I got lucky. I, I was able to watch it. I got access like a month ago. Um, Sign up for our Patreon and Nick will send it over to you. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a hit piece. I can tell you that. Um, just really glossed over 31, 31 arrests. Uh, I like it. I like it. Mentioned mentioned Chico one time. Oh, um, I love it. Briefly mentioned Chico, like maybe a two minute spot, not even. Um, it if I could put a synopsis out, uh, Swamp Kings is about how hard and at some points how ridiculous and crazy the program was, and how everything that they did off the field uh, resulted in them being great on the field. But I know a lot of people were worried that this is going to be like a, a slander uh, hit piece. It is not. Thank God, because Miami made themselves look absolutely crazy with that thirty for thirty. So I didn't. I didn't. I don't think we needed that type of energy right now. So I appreciate. And you've it. got a fluff piece. And you've got four episodes. They're about forty five minutes each. Is it? Does it drag on a little bit? I mean, obviously we're Florida Gator fans. Everybody's going to be excited. But if you're watching as an outsider, four episodes, forty five minutes, talk a little bit about. Urban Meyer, you talk about that team. You talk about Tim Tebow's stardom. I know that there's some discussion about whether people were jealous of how much attention he was getting and all that kind of stuff, but does it drag on? 
Um, for Florida fans, no. So they, the director found more than 600 tapes. She, she told me they were tapes. I don't know if that's, I mean, we're talking about 2005. I don't think they were recording on VHS, but she said tapes, um, of stuff that like you knew or you heard about, but you'd never seen before. So they have like film of the mat drills. Shout out to Tate Casey. Um, I, I might've sent Tate a little clip of himself in the mat drills been trying to get Tate to tell me for years what mat drills were. Um, essentially they did it in Southwest rec too, Dan. Oh, nice. Um, this was, they put wrestling mats down and essentially Mickey Marotti would say, Hey, don't let him get to the other side of the mat. Don't bite and don't kick in the nuts. Other than that, you're fine. So you see like dude in a rear naked choke guy, guy getting choked, just throwing elbows. Like, Man, uh, they it, I don't think it drags on. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in that you probably have heard about that you would love to have seen and that you're going to see in this documentary. Um, it's very Tebow centric, very Meyer centric. Brandon Seiler is the star of episode one. Mm-hmm. He has an unbelievably funny story. Uh, about Urban Meyer trying to discipline him by calling his parents in and Urban Meyer not understanding where Brandon Seller was from, or what his parents were like. Mm. Is any of it, quote Urban Meyer, is any of it unfucking believable? <laughs> you're not going to learn anything new. You're going, if you're a Gator fan, you're not going to learn anything new. You're not going to be upset with anything that you see. Um, it's a nice trip down memory lane with some extra footage that, that no one's ever seen before. Love it. So that comes out tomorrow? No. Tuesday. Next week. Tuesday. 22nd. Yeah, tomorrow. Tuesday. The 22nd. All right. All four episodes drop at one time? I believe so. Cool. I know what Brooke and I got plans to do tomorrow. I'm sure she wanted to have a nice dinner. Nope. We'll watch four, four hours. hours of the Florida Gators playing yeah. football for my heyday. See if I make any appearances. Who knows? I don't believe you did. Yeah, well. I watched, <laughs> I watched it through. I watched it three times through. Jeez. It's a lot of it's a lot of work. Well, I had to I had to transcribe it. All right. So you transcribed the whole thing? No, absolutely not. Mm. Sorry, I've got a barking dog. So uh, a couple other things. Um, somebody said we're still sleeping on Joseph Putu. I don't think that we are, but uh, shout I told out lies to about Putu. Putu that I'm not yeah, even embarrassed about. You know, I thought this. I thought this uh, JUCO film or whatever uh, we had was. It was impressive work at the time, um, and, and I had a, a great tweet out there at that time too of him running from like a, a random rhino in Africa or whatever. So uh, I've told worse lies than Joseph Putu. And then, What's your worst, um, what do you think the worst lie that you've told is? Hmm, I got some. I got some joints, man. Um, I had some Treon Harris lies. A lot of those. Um, uh, I was a weird grid guy, so I, I didn't really get on to the Treyon. I was devastated once, you know, Will was out of here. I just knew it was the beginning of the end. So I didn't get my Treyon lies off. Uh, I lied a lot about Felipe. Mm-hmm. OVO. Shout out to OVO. Uh, mm, now, that you, now that you say OVO, I, I remember that was a – if we like can – if we search your old tweets, it's going. probably a lot of OVO. But it's gone? gone. Oh, old Twitter, that's right. Yeah, old Twitter. I'm, I got a new. It, 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 go follow me too, guys. If you don't follow me, but yeah, the old Twitter is gone, man. I got some gems on that account, but I also got a lot of lies that people can't resurface. 
<laughs> DK Unk's story about his wife watching Treon throws hilarious. <laughs> yo, yo, we said I went to the FAU game, man. And uh, you know, we had went to a game earlier that year. You, you know, um the, the game where we beat Tennessee with the Callaway throw. So she hadn't been to get wife had been to a game with me earlier that season. You know, the Will Grit thing happened. She's not really following along football. So we get to the FAU game, and it's a full-blown shit show. We're in a dogfight with uh, FAU, and he just getting this Treyon, uh Rock Skipping Harris thing going on a little bit. Shout out to Treyon as well. But he's skipping rocks, and I'm super frustrated, right? And my wife is just asking the, the, the questions you don't want to be asked while your team is, is, is struggling versus FAU. It's like, hey, what happened to the white kid? Like, babe, just be. Just, I don't feel like now. explaining GNC. We're back to GNC. I don't feel like explaining GNC and supplements and, you know, our quarterback being gone. Let me just get out of here with a W so we're not mm -hmm. trolled right, and I can survive Twitter. Man, what, what rough times, bro. What a Man. game. It's tough. Let's the ref, see. Who the else helped us I out that game. I'm glad we got out of there with a dub, man. We would never lived that one down, but the refs definitely helped us out. I told um, – this is like pre-Twitter, back when I was in college, a lot of Emmanuel Moody lies. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Carl you know, because he, he did really well at, at, at Southern Cal. It's not like he didn't do fine at Florida, and obviously he was on the team when they won a national championship and everything else. He but I thought that, that was the answer to, like, scoring 80 points a game, no problem. Mm. No, no, he enjoyed he enjoyed coughing up the football, if I remember correctly. Yeah, was, he should have stayed out in the Pac-12. I think he would he would have worked out marvelous out there. Another guy that came from out there in the West Coast, Carl Johnson, that received. I lied about him. He's like a five-star JUCO guy. Oh, Carl Moore. Carl Moore. Carl yeah. Moore. Yeah. He so, had yeah. a catch against Miami that put me on TV. Um, so if you want to go watch that game, you can see me. You I'm want everybody to see you on TV so bad, bro. Look at you. <laughs> He's been trying to put himself just on try, TV. He's trying for people to go recover old tape of me. You know, yeah, back yeah. in my glory days. I peaked early, Silk. Yeah, the hairline was still thriving back then. Ah, uh, easy, easy, easy. easy. <laughs> uh, man. I gotta I gotta catch I gotta uh dodge those uh those haymakers on the timeline. Um, but definitely some uh, some big names. Let's let's think a little bit more about that. Who we told some lies about. We can talk about it uh yeah, next week. Um, so before we do that, uh, shameless plug for you, uh, you upgraded the, uh, the roll up network and, uh, and your podcast. Why don't you uh, talk a little bit about that? And then I get, I think I got us with song of the week. So let me take a look at that. I appreciate that a lot, man. Yeah. We, we made some changes at the roll up network. Uh, CJ Wilson stepped down, uh, and, and, and started his own podcast. And with that opportunity, you know, I wanted to survey the land. And see if I can make an upgrade. We're just trying to elevate and, and, and you know expand our exposure and get to a new level. So I reached out to a few Florida State guys and a few uh, Miami guys to gain some interest, and in, and I got back some great you know some interest. And we landed on Amon Richards, former wide receiver for for Miami, um, that didn't go pro because of a, a neck injury. So we got him for our Miami guy, and then we got Kenny Shaw. Our Florida State national champion. Um, they're actually celebrating their 10-year reunion of their national champion, so it's a good year to get him on. He'll be on campus a lot this year. We'll film some content out there, but, you know, good good exposure, good elevation uh, for the network. Uh, super excited. You guys tune in Wednesday. We've got a vlog out there on our roll-up account um, that was shot beautifully by my guy, Lion. Uh, we told a whole story of, of setting this all up, traveling back and forth, meeting the different guys, 
I was legit recruiting, like a recruiter, bruh. Uh, but we, we, we landed on two guys. Go check the vlog out. Tune in Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. We kicking it for the first time. Should be a good fall. Excited. Absolutely. And for those that are just finding us on YouTube over the last couple of weeks, months, we appreciate you guys following. As a reminder, you can listen to us on all uh, podcast platforms, whether that's Spotify, Apple, whatever that might be. If you're asking about old interviews, people that we've talked to, we've talked to a lot of legends uh, on this show. We used to do two or three per episode. We've kind of moved our content away from that as much, but definitely go check those out. A lot of great interviews. Definitely recommend the Chris Rainey one uh, the most. Um, sorry, I got a doc, barking dog here. Um, let's see what else. Uh, we will do a lot more segments to our show. Obviously, the Gators will play at Utah next Thursday, so we'll do some over-under. We'll finish up on some uh, positions that we haven't gone over. We've kind of gone over most of the big ones now. Uh, and then we will do the game breakdown. Uh, as a reminder, we do only record once a week. I know there's some comments saying, hey, you know, you guys are a couple days late on Cam Carroll. Uh, we're a week behind on Wardell Mack. That's just the way it goes, right? Sometimes we get live commitments during the middle of the show, and sometimes we have to wait six days is what it is. Um, but for any questions, comments, anything that you have, please feel free to reach out to us. We do have a website. We do have a shop. Go check those out as well. Stadiumandgale.com. Go check us out on all podcast platforms. Anything else before we get out of here? And then you guys fly to Utah next week. No, actually, I'm not going to Utah. I got too much. I, got, I had to back out. I just got way too much business to uh, execute. Uh, that week, uh, that Sunday, I'm going to most likely be in Tampa doing that uh, brunch with the Gators with Redell. With Dan's going to be pulling up. We we got a lot of things to execute that I want to make sure we hit on. Uh, the barbershop show, you know, I got the Miami contents and the lion down there to do some stuff. So it's just a lot of stuff I want to make sure we execute on. So I got to, unfortunately, there's no money being made in Utah for me. It was a pleasure trip. I had to back out of it to, to execute some business. So I won't be in Utah, guys. I'll be there in spirit. All right, boys. Well, let's uh, let's get out. Um, everybody knows one of my favorite country music bands is the Turnpike Troubadour. So they have a new album coming out soon. Uh, they just released a new song a couple weeks ago called Brought Me. So we'll play that one to take us out. And we will see you guys at the same corner, same time next week. And we'll break down Swamp Kings a little bit more. Other than that, see you boys later. All righty.
As if a lost and lonely child Your status suits you well But do not think that you can fool me This polish and reserve Barely hides that you are wild And we've echoed off of barroom walls And buildings down on Main Street Thought the moon would never set on our back alley room In moments I found quality I thought could not be beaten A thousand person choir has an affection all its own Oh, now still beat steady this heart I had you for free Should you ever need a thing that won't be hard to find me Standing at the ready with a dancer to still Left in me. 